everything that we're talking about is all a marathon. That's yes. not to say that there aren't sprints and we can't take measures yep. to get over the finish line in a sprint. We absolutely can. But also we need to be looking at the root cause of some of these problems and getting some education around them. So I don't, you know, the root cause of homelessness is there's so many root causes, runaway, drug addiction, uh, uh, veterans coming back from the war, uh, mental illness. Like, so which one of those are we going to pick? And which one of those are we going to get in and try to solve and really like be part of the solution? Is it getting veterans more jobs? All right, let me stand in line and do that. That's something I want to do. Is it treating mental illness and making sure there are enough beds for people who are sick and who really need to be uh, getting some help 24-7? Let me stand in line and do that. But I do think that, look, it can get extremely overwhelming and then we're analysis by paralysis and we yep. don't do anything. Yep. And I think that's probably 99% of the world. People. Exactly. Yeah, of course. What's up, damn givers, a.k.a. damn good family, a.k.a. each and every one of you. I truly hope the first few days of 2019 have been amazing for you and yours. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast, the podcast committed to sharing the stories of damn givers of all kinds and from all over the world. My aim is that you'll hear these stories and be inspired to give more dams than ever before. My guest this week is the one and only Claude Silver. Claude has been on my radar for a few years now. I first heard about her through her boss, the lovable and wild Gary Vaynerchuk, a while back, and I've been following her and voraciously learning from her ever since. Claude is the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia, a company with 900 employees in New York City, LA, Chattanooga, and London. Now, I have always felt that Claude and I had a special connection. We have been interacting for quite some time on social media, and my suspicion was confirmed when we met and she hugged me for the first time, but she hugged me like we had been friends for quite a while. And then she proceeded to ask how long it had been since we had last hung out. I said, Claude, we've never hung out in person. She couldn't believe it. and. She almost had me convinced that we had met previously. That's how much she was trying to convince me of that. That's the sort of connection we have, and it makes me feel like a million bucks because Claude is just a tremendous human being. She has so much to teach us, y'all. She is wise beyond her years, and in our chat, she shares so much goodness on all things optimism, positivity, impact, and yes, her favorite subject, empathy. Also, Congrats to Claude and her wife, Andrea, on the birth of their baby, Shalom B. If you want to see some cuteness, check out Claude's Instagram, at Claude Silver. Get ready for it. It's amazing. Quick note before we begin. This is a very short conversation today. I made a last-minute trip to New York a few weeks ago, and Claude squeezed me in between meetings on a very busy workday for her. So we had to crush it in 25 minutes or so. We will do a longer conversation some other time. Okay, enough from me. Let's do this. Here's my conversation with the amazing Claude Silver. Let's go. Claude Silver, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Hey, I'm super happy to give a damn and be here. This has been a long time coming. We, we've been trying to do this for over a year and just missing each other when I'm in town and you're a very busy lady, you've got a big role here at this company. So I'm glad we finally got to do it. Me too. 
everybody that's listening, go follow Claude Silver everywhere because you will be encouraged and challenged and all of that. But it's very, it's very obvious from your social media and even meeting you in person, you love being a mother. You're a new mother. Yeah, I so am. <laughs> tell me about that. 46 days, right? You just mentioned yeah. 46 days old. 46 days. My life is completely, completely different. I'm, my priorities are different. The way I think about getting home is different. The way I feel as though I'm, I, I, there's micro moments now that I'm paying attention to, or I probably didn't pay attention to the subtleties of every single moment with a human being because I wasn't holding them in my arms or listening to them cry or watching them smile. But I do absolutely feel as though this incredible door has opened that I didn't even know existed. It would have been fine had I never found it, but finding it and opening up, it, it has opened me up to a depth, a well of like abundant love and care and responsibility and all the feels. Yes. Just didn't even know. Just yeah. didn't even know. Yeah. You don't discover it until it actually happens. Did you always want to be a mother? You know, I, I always knew I was a mother. Put it that Definitely. way. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I passed... I let my 40th year go and I was very conscious, was I going to try to have a baby? alone. My 40th year came and went. I was living in London. It, I didn't have a pull. So it was something that I was okay with not doing. I, I know who I am. I know that I'm very caretaking and giving. I have two nieces that I love more than anything. Um, so it was cool. And now that I am a mother, I'm like, wow, dude, holy crap, I could have missed this. Yeah. Amazing. You're the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia. That is correct. A company with hundred, how many employees? Hundreds uh, and hundreds. Yeah, I mean eight hundred. Right, four different locations, two continents. Big deal, right? This is a big. This is a big undertaking, right? You're talking about your child, right? But you're really mothering in a sense because that is part of your role. I want to talk more about that because I think it really pertains to you. Have a lot to teach damn givers all around the world listening. But this is a big undertaking, right? And so, what does that title mean? How did it come about, right? Because most people would call your role. You know, maybe chief people officer or you know, head of HR or whatever. And very intentionally, you and Gary and the team here chose chief heart officer. So how did that come about? Yeah. I mean, it's very simple. The way Gary and I look at what is HR is heart. It is that simple. There is no human resource. We've always considered heart to be at the center of what it is we do. Uh, so that was a, it was a shoe-in. Gary loves the, he loves branding things, which is amazing. And I'm a big heart. So it, it really made sense. Uh, and I, I take care of the, all of these heartbeats and I, I, I cultivate other people to take care of heartbeats. I mean, it's not, it's not just me. I can't create the culture here or, or sustain the culture. I need everyone to get on board and take responsibility for caring and giving a damn about each other. What are some of the joys and pains of being in this role, because I can't imagine that it's always up, right? It, when humans are involved, there will be downs. So what, what have been some of the joys and the pains of being in this role over hundreds and hundreds of heartbeats? Yeah, I think the joys of being in this role for sure is, is literally watching this company grow and scale and continue to have momentum and energy around what it is we do today and where we're going tomorrow that the energy is palpable when you walk in. You just sat in the lobby. I walked in and picked you up, and it, there was a buzz. 
Yeah. So feeling people come alive, watching people collaborate across their desks here, watching people uh, uh, get into the kitchen and chit chat and share with one another just absolutely is what blows me away every single day. That that the camaraderie is real. It's happening. I've been in workplaces where I've never worked. Well, I did for nine months. That's another story for another day. I, I've been in workplaces where it very much feels as soon as you walk in the door that these people just work with each other. Mm. They show up, they sit down at their desk, they say, hi, Bob, hi, Linda, head down, do your work, get the hell out of here. Yeah. That's really so, I mean, look, at, we're in New York City, Rob, look out the window. A lot of these workplaces are filled with companies functioning like that. I've been in this office a couple times now, very much can affirm that that people want to be here. Yeah, there's a buzz. And I love the fact that this is a collaborative place. Any of our offices, you are going to feel a very similar type of type of electricity. So that these are the good things. This is what keeps me here. The challenging parts keep me here too, because I get to work very diff very hard and, and trying to crack some of these uh, you know, challenges and the challenges around just being human. So anxieties, people aren't getting, uh, when they don't get promoted, um, you know, just like life on life's terms types of things. Like if we let someone go, like, oh my God, is that the end of the world for their team? So I think a lot of what Gary and I are doing at such high touch, I mean, we spend time with every mm. single individual is finding out what motivates them what makes them uh, light up, and also where are their insecurities? And we try to um, we try to help bring self awareness to them as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. You become sort of a, an icon in the business world increasingly because of this role that you have, and because of the very specific title that you all have chosen. So, out of the VaynerMedia office, how have you been able to serve and help other people around the country and the world with this concept of? taking care of heartbeats versus these are just the human, my, my, my conduits for making more money at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, the way I would just say, I would restate what you said is my mission is really to bring more humanity back into the workplace, bring more kindness, tenderness, compassion. So that's my deal. That's always been my deal, no matter where I've worked. I think if, if we talk to my managers of, you know, 12 years ago, six years ago, 30 years ago, they would say the same thing. Mm. Claude has always been this person because that's just what, that's what turns me on is to bring people together and to take, somehow take away the veil that we all keep up, you know, this protection, this like guard that I can't let you get too close because you're going to want something from me. You're going to take away my ideas. You're <laughs> going to get too close. And like, I, I don't know, I, I'm going to freak out. Like, I'm curious, I should say, about human behavior because I was very, 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 very curious about my own behavior and why I did things to that were harmful to myself and why I did things that delighted myself. So I think I just want to, you know, sum that up that I just I just I enjoy people. And the way I the way I try to extend that in the outside world is what you see is what you get. I'm no different outside when I'm going to dinner at my friend's house or I'm on an airplane than I am right here. You know, I'm certainly no different when someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn, like they do on a daily basis, just like, Hey, can I have 15 minutes? Hey, I just want to thank you for inspiring me. Mm. Here's my entire life story. What do you think? <laughs> you know? So for me, yes, life is to be lived and life is to serve in a joyful way. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That summation. You talk all the time about leading with empathy. 
And I want to get very specific on that topic. I, I have an angle that I want to come at it with. It's very specific because of a book that I recently read. Yale researcher Paul Bloom wrote this book called Against Empathy, A Case for Rational Compassion. Have you heard of it? No, but I'm okay. into the title. It's a, big, it's a big, so it's Against Empathy, Case for Rational Compassion, in which he argues that empathy is actually the leading cause of inequality and immorality in the world. And he says that because empathy can impair our judgment to be uh, meaningfully effective because it essentially at times can be feelings over facts, right? And you can end up maybe enabling someone's poor behavior or life choices because of this, right? And he even goes on to say uh, throughout the book that some of the poorest decisions we've ever made as individual people and as countries, nations, the world were, you know, who, who we give our money to, the kinds of causes we go after. We've made those based too much on a foundation of, you know, uh, heartfelt yet misplaced emotions, right? So you get the, you get the picture of the book is like, he's, he's all for compassion, but he calls it what his title is rational compassion because he believes, basically he says over and over again in the book, empathy has fucked us up so many times in the world, right? So the reason I struggled through that book, I read it, I enjoyed the concept. I have so many questions even after I finished because I'm like, I lead very strongly with empathy. Like when I walk into a room, I'm kind of known for, like I can pick up on the joy and the pain that's happening. Who's hurting? Who's happy? Who do I need to help or serve? And I've always to a fault led with empathy. It's gotten me in trouble. I've given money to people in places that have gotten me in trouble. I've several times, I know this, I can recall even the last six months, I have enabled one of my, I love the guy, but one of my drug using buddies' behaviors and his deviating from a really solid life uh, because I felt for him and wanted to help him and then only to come, out, come to find out he used my resources for things he shouldn't have been using them for, right? What is your reaction to that? Um, what are your thoughts on empathy out the door? It's, it's screwed us up so many times. Rational compassion. Like, what do you, what do you say to that? I'm so into this, by yeah. the way. I'm so into what you just brought up. Uh, and I will be thinking about this for a long time and read the book. And here's my response yes. to what you said. In order to have empathy, one needs to have self-awareness. Mm. When one has self-awareness of why they are the way they are, what triggers them, why they give to the drug buddy, why they might be a quote unquote wet blanket, why they might be codependent. When you are aware of who you are, self-aware, I believe that empathy can be used for, for the positive growth and then sustainability and change in this world. I understand at a very, very high level what he's saying, I really can. But I think that we have to put the lens of self-awareness, understanding myself, I, understanding why I do things, being aware of why I'm about to take an action. Am I taking it for the betterment of me so I feel better? My ego feels great? Eh, wrong. Or am I doing it because I absolutely have checked myself before I wreck myself and I want to make a positive outcome in that, in that person's life. So there's a, I think there's a real fine line there. Will, will I tell you that I agree? No, I can see the case right. for it, but there will never be a day in my life where I don't believe empathy can solve real problems. Yeah. And it does take a moment to get your SHIT in line 
Otherwise, yeah, it becomes a codependent, massive puddle. Yes. And let me tell you, as someone that has been there, done that in the world of codependency, that is, you know, you need a massive lifeline to get out of that puddle. Yeah, I, I resonate with that so deeply. So he, he is right in that I think the word empathy has been watered down and used a million different ways. So in your mind, do we do we find a new name for it like rational compassion or something like that or do we reclaim i'm a big reclaimer yeah right like i'm a huge i'm a for example i'm a christian i'm anglican i could easily with all the crazy shit that like some christians are doing i could easily say i don't want to be a part of that because that kind of associates me with them i like to reclaim things so i'm in it like i'm in it to win it and like i'm more in my faith than ever knowing that those people are messing up and because I believe in this so deeply, I need to stick around and reclaim what I think is being messed up, right? So that's, that is taking place in various places in my life. So do we reclaim the word empathy and really just like be examples of what it should and could be? Or do we find another title? Yeah, you reclaim it. Listen, let's go back to, let's go back to faith and spirituality. Let's go back to the, I'm sure what the essence of turn the other cheek actually means. It doesn't sure. mean turn the other cheek and be a wet blanket. 100%. It means you got your shit together. You got yourself in check. So you don't have to worry about what they're doing on the other side of that table. You know what you're doing and you know where you come from. And if your heart is pure and you are of service and you don't need anything from them, that's a reclaiming of positive empathy, I yeah. think. I just can't imagine a world where we are not empathetic. I just, yeah. I just can't. And I, I, I can't wait to also get my, my hands on the book because I'm sure there's some incredible parts there. But if we take the, some of the teachings of let's just, uh, Brene Brown, let's just say right now, yeah. getting into the fact that we are all carrying around such shame and such garbage on our backs and in order to unload that, we must get real. We must be vulnerable. Being vulnerable in today's day and age is real scary because people are uh, not treated equally, not treated fairly. There's a lot of othering going around. I just made a huge Instagram post on this this morning. But in order for us to cross the threshold and get to strength and get to courage, we have to go through the valley of vulnerability, which is strength. It's just all, it's all... I really, I, I see that there is so much power in being empathetic. Uh, and it is a matter for me of uh, reclaiming it by looking at, your, uh, looking at yourself, checking yourself before you wreck yourself. There's so many evil and unjust things happening in the world right now, right? Literally within the stone's throw of this building, this amazing building we're in, people are being abused. People are being hurt. Like that can be incredibly debilitating and overwhelming. Like if we start, if we just stay in that, like I love coming to this city because it's the greatest city in the world, but I hate coming to this city because I walk by, like I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the train, I'm walking by and I'm, I, I just feel all the pains and the hurts and every homeless person I pass, it's freezing out there. And I, you know, I'm walking around Union Square last night trying to figure like how, how can I help? And I feel so just like, it feels so weak in a moment. Like I can't do anything. So. All of the unjust, evil things happening, not just around the world, in India and Africa, like all these places, like right in our backyard, a stone's throw from this building. What sort of positivity do we deploy to not always walk around with our heads hung low? And also, like, how do we maintain positivity and also stay engaged, um, figuring out our way of giving a damn or our ways of giving a damn? Like, what's your, yeah, what's sort of your response to that? Yeah, so... 
I get the chills when we even talk about all of the unjust things that are going on in this world and a stone's throw away from this place. So I just want to, I just want to take a moment and, and like <laughs> pour so much love into yeah. those places right now. To answer the question for me, positivity and optimism are action words. They are not like I'm sitting in my chair and I'm all Zen and I'm positive and I'm just thinking positive thoughts. Start. It's a start. But what are the actions I'm taking to actually put my positivity into the world, into changing, into helping? So that's what I immediately think. Like it is one thing to walk around Union Square and be like, God, I, I just, I don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing to walk around Union Square and take action and hand out blankets and hand out coffees yeah. and you know, give someone, I don't, even if it's a McDonald's burger, because there happens to be one in Union Square. So that takes an enormous amount of effort. So we think, I don't, I mean, I'm not doing it. I didn't go to Union Square last night and pass out blankets, mm -hmm. but I could have, and I should have, and I will do. But those are action. Yeah. Those are all action oriented. So I just don't think we can sit on our laurels and be like, yeah, I'm positive. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm a real believer, unless you put that into practice. Yeah. So one of the reasons I started this platform, Let's Give a Damn, is because I'm trying to convince everyone that they have a part to play. And there's so many people that either don't believe that or are ignoring that fact, right? Because Netflix is calling every night. And right. So right now we've got like 7% of the people doing 80% of the work, right? In terms of making the world a better place. Very few are actively engaged in like, what's my... Because we do have things like we need to rest. We have families. We have kids. We have work. Like I can't 20 hours a day be handing out blankets or going across the world to, you know, to help with this water project in Zambia. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't do all of that. But all of us together, we can have a huge impact, right? And so that's part of this platform is, yeah, you, you could have done that last night, but you were home with a screaming baby for three hours, right? Like that's your part of your role. Maybe there's another night when the baby's good and like you like get a group of Vayner people to go do that, right? And maybe the other night that you're not there, somebody else is doing. I just think we all have this part to play and to think more about long-term solutions, right? Like I, I for so long have done the passing out things, right? And that is effective, right? That night, that person is freaking cold and to help them in the short term. I can't take them home tonight, or I can't give them a home, but I can give them a one warm night, right? And so the short term is important, but then really thinking, really being patient and thinking, how can we long-term fix? Right, so it's everything that we're talking about is all a marathon. That's yes. not to say that there aren't sprints and we can't take measures yep. to get over the finish line in a sprint. We absolutely can, but also we need to be looking at the root cause of some of these problems and getting some education around them. So I don't, you know, the root cause of homelessness is there's so many root causes, runaway, drug addiction, uh, uh, veterans coming back from the war, uh, mental illness. Like, so which one of those are we going to pick and which one of those are we going to get in and try to solve and really like be part of the solution? Is it getting veterans more jobs? All right, let me stand in line and do that. That's something I want to do. Is it treating mental illness and making sure there are enough beds for people who are sick and who really need to be uh, getting some help 24-7? Let me stand in line and do that. But I do think that, look, it can get extremely overwhelming and then we're analysis by paralysis and we yep. don't do anything. Yep. And I think that's probably 99% of the world. That's Exactly. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So, yeah. Four hours of friends at night blocks out 
all the the earth screaming out around us, right? And so that feels easier in that night. And we don't want to, and it's work, right? It takes a lot of work. It, it's work. Okay, left and right. We're going to begin to wrap up here, but we are more divided than ever. Like, I'm not a history buff. Like, I know enough about history. The last couple of years have been, you know, probably the most divisive years that anyone can remember for very obvious reasons. We're not going to get into it. I want to hear you talk about this. Like, what, in your opinion, what can we do to close that divide, right? Because we are not speaking to each other. We're yelling at each other. I think people are taking one of two approaches. It's either not addressing the things at all, like, you know, the big, whatever, it's a me tube thing, or and they're just not going to say anything about it at all. Or it's screaming and yelling and, you know, cuss words and this and blocking and just very vitriolic behavior online. We're not any better. We're not getting better. Like, I'm, I'm going to reveal a little bit of my politics here, but there's a good chance that our current president gets reelected in 2020 because we haven't moved the ball down the field at all. And by, by that, I'm not saying converted people to our side, whatever your side is. I'm saying we haven't had the right conversations with the people. We haven't sat down at the table and like really tried to engage. It's just easier to say fuck you on Twitter instead of saying, let's start a friendship together and see where this can go. How do we fix this though? We, we're, we're running out of time in this, in this current political thing, but we're just running out of time, period. Like we don't know how, like life is finite. Like I could get hit by a bus today and boom, it's done. If I was looking to you and said, what is the solution, Claude? How do we fix this? You're in charge. We're going to take your direction. What would you <laughs> say? Uh, immediately I say, I go back to self-awareness and I go back to making positivity louder. And I go back to the massive distinction between fear and love. And when we are in a place of fear and ego and scarcity and inequality and you're wrong and I'm right because I'm actually afraid of you because you're different, that's a losing battle. Mm. And that's where I think we are. Mm. When you are in love, it's very, very different. I am, I am extending a bridge to you. Walk across the bridge with me. Be part of the solution with me. Change the world with me. But I take out the dogma in that conversation. I really do. I strip it away to the emotion of fear or love because we can all relate to that. And if, you, if one can take a second to look at our current president and that entire charade and see the fear that is in that world, mm -hmm. just look. Mm -hmm. That's fear. Obvious. It's completely fear. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that world. I want to be a part of love. And that's that's what I'm doing here. That's what you're doing here. That's why that's why you, you know, created that film that's gonna be seen on CNN. Like we have to build bridges. Mm -hmm. Enough of the walls, man. Mm -hmm. Enough. So that's Bridge, how I bridges not how, walls. Yeah, bridges not. I mean, let the walls come down. Yes. So 100%. Uh, let's turn ourselves to love. Let's turn away from fear. I love that. I hope you live a long, long, and fruitful life, and I expect that you will. But someday you will die. And for some reason, in this hypothetical scenario, I get asked to give your eulogy. So at all of your, I mean, grown up. Baby Shiloh, everybody's there that you love, and Gary, everybody's there. All the people you've affected. It's a big room because you've touched so many lives. I mean, you can stop talking right now because I'll tell you exactly what I want you to say. Please. She had a generous heart. That's it. That's it. She had a generous heart. That's an amazing legacy. That's it. 
I love it. Thank you. Claude, thank you so much for joining me today. This Thanks, was Nick. beyond amazing, and I can't wait to share it with the world. I can't wait either. Thank you so much. Peace out. Dear friends, thanks so much for joining Claude and me for our conversation. I hope you are encouraged and challenged. If you like what you heard, let Claude and let me know. You know where to find me, and you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Claude Silver, C-L-A-U-D-E, Silver. You can find more information and in all web and social media links for this podcast conversation and all the others at podcast.letsgiveadam.com. That's podcast.letsgiveadam.com. Come. Thanks for all the ways you continue to support this show, friends. Keep it up. Tell a friend. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support our show for the price of a latte per month at patreon.com slash let's give a damn. This podcast, as always, was edited and produced by the incredible Chad Snavely. The music is by our brilliant friend, Propaganda. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean it. I love you. Same time next week. Peace.